Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm a nutrition and exercise physiology professor, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. Denise Bukowski's <clears throat> favorite fan. Jesus. <laughs> Rob Fortress Fortney here, former editor at Muscle Mag, former competitive bodybuilder, uh, metal aficionado, and uh, strength training titan. Titan? This is uh, Phil Stevens. <laughs> I'm a... Uh, I'm a powerlifter, strength coach, very low-level A-class Highland Games athlete. Uh, I run Lift for Hope and own Strength Guild, amongst other Way things. Way to cover your ass, Phil. Yeah. 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 Well, I had to because uh, today we have Matt Vincent on, who is, you know, arguably one of the best Highland Games athletes in the world. So, uh, Matt, thanks for joining us. Hey, how are you guys? Good, good. You were just listening to our before-show antics. It's always great. Yeah, no, that's right. I'm glad I, I've got at least a vibe of how this is going to go so I can fit right in. <laughs> it's, it's that bad. <laughs> no, it's perfect. Okay, all right. Uh, let's start with a little bit of news. Is that cool with everybody? Yeah. Uh, yeah I go. just got an email today from Mike Nelson, who's a friend of Iron Radio. Strength and Muscle Sport News. And um, do you remember when we were talking about the caffeine and carbohydrate mouth rinses and how they could give you an immediate, like, boost, exercise boost? Um, yeah. Here's a follow-up study. It's 2013 paper. It's from Australia. It says, um, effect of a carbohydrate mouth rinse on simulated, this is cycling performance in this case, uh, commenced in a fed or fasted state. So they're following up on before saying, well, wait, oftentimes in a real-world environment, people are fed. So if you're whether you just ate a meal two hours ago or if you're fasted, will this work? Will this performance boost work either way? Uh, and of course, it's weird and it's news because it works through some kind of central neural mechanism. That's not enough. You know, you're, they're spitting out this carbohydrate drink or this carbon caffeine drink. They're not even swallowing it, and it has some kind of effect on your nervous system. It makes you immediately um, better exerciser. Apparently. Here it says, um, it's presently unclear whether the reported ergogenic effect of a carb mouth rinse, I guess this is just carbs this time, is affected by the acute nutritional status. So they did two trials. One was two hours after a meal. The other was after an overnight fast. And then they had them swish just for 10 seconds in their mouth a 10% uh, maltodextrin, complex carb solution, uh, or a taste-matched placebo. And I'll cut to the chase here. We conclude that a carb mouth rinse improved performance to a greater extent in the fasted state compared to the fed state. However, optimal performance was actually achieved in the fed state that also had the addition of the carbohydrate mouth rinse. So, what's that? I see some so more food is better? So a carb rinse plus food is better than being fasted? Uh, well, better than the carb rinse being fasted, yeah. But, oh, okay. You know, but the, the weird thing is you're not swallowing it, you know, but anyway. Well, it, keeps, it keeps you a good Catholic. Okay, <laughs> there you go. I see some kind of new eating disorder or definitely a new supplement coming out. You know, there's going to be the new, oh, you know. Oh, Phil, you're right. I didn't think about yeah. that. You're going to see the rinse and swish or rinse and spit yeah. supplements come out. 
across the gyms all over the country will just have buckets everywhere for. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And Muscle Tech will put a proprietary blend of freaking camel piss in there or something and say it's... And they'll make it turn blue and look frosty or something for a minute. And and they'll be the performance the the performance series and... Spit your way huge. We could sell... You could sell like a a mid-workout rinse as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Next comes the colonic. That's nice. Oh. (laughs) You turn. (laughs) Plugging your subs is the best way to take them. Everyone knows that. Let's get back to the news. I got one more bit here. This is from BBC. They're a good source of science news. It's broccoli slows arthritis, researchers think. Uh, It says eating lots of broccoli may slow down and even prevent osteoarthritis. UK researchers believe. This is by Michelle Roberts, I guess, health editor there. Um, a university in East Angelina uh, in the UK did some of this work. It says a broccoli compound, which humans can also get from Brussels sprouts and cabbage, blocked a key destructive enzyme that damages cartilage. They go on to say uh, basically your body takes some of these compounds, they, they uh, turn it into sulforaphane, and this is in some of those um, super veg kinds of products already, you know, like the, the greens products, I think, or some of those sorts of things. And it does appear to uh, protect the joints, it says. Apparently, she said, we're asking patients to eat 100 grams or about three and a half ounces every day for two weeks. It's only about a handful. Most people have no problem doing that. Uh, She says, I can't imagine it would repair necessarily or reverse existing arthritis, but it might be a way to prevent it. Her team will be looking at proof that the sulforaphane has traveled to where it needs to go in the joint and that it's causing beneficial changes on a cell level. Uh, And another 20 knee replacement patients, apparently that's what they're looking at, who have not been on the diet will be used as a comparison group. So, yeah, with, with all this stuff about glucosamine, and, you know, I know a lot of lifters, by the time you're uh, advanced or even intermediate a lot of times, or just, you know, in your 30s or 40s, you, your joints start barking at you. So, Yeah, but the problem with Lonnie is he actually thinks his joints are barking at him. That is odd. <laughs> that would be odd. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I've always just taken every study with statistics as a with a grain of rice. I mean, that's one thing. If you're well, if you're wanting to prove something, there's always statistics to back you. Yeah. Oh, well, if so. you cherry pick, yeah. But I, I suppose over time, you're hoping that there's at least like a, a consensus starts to build up, looking in one direction or another. But I know what you're saying. People get so excited over any one study, but sure. And I mean, I mean but I'm, I'm sure there's a study out there that could also prove that broccoli's bad for your joints. Well, let's hope the ones that say it's good over time build up and the other ones don't. Yeah, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, something like this, I mean, the idea with, I mean, I, I look at that as kind of common sense. Like, oh, like green vegetables are better for you if you eat those regularly. Like things yeah. will go well physically. That makes sense. That's yeah. what I've been taught since I was three. Right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, you know, as a group, we're not we're not the kind of guys who are going to get super uh, giddy over a single study, like like yeah. you're saying with some of that. That was jaded and terrible. So, yeah. Anyway, that's all. Well, that's all it, I got. It, it's certainly not bad news because I uh, last several years, as Lonnie knows, I have tried to up my vegetable intake, and I eat quite a lot of raw broccoli. So, well, there you go. Maybe, maybe I, it'll slow I, down. And your... I don't enjoy it. So. Uh, I, I gave up fiber in 2008, and since then, Phil's, <laughs> Phil's patented meat cleanse. <laughs> uh, then I, Rob, you'd be happy to know that I finally, I, I finally reached 283. Oh, for God's sakes, it's about time. 
I know. It's about time. But this is the heaviest well, I've been. Yeah, okay. is that the biggest? Yeah. You know, that's, well, that's the biggest train to me. So the last meet I weighed in at like 262. So You know what's very strange today? I jumped on a digital scale today, and you know what it said? 283. Yeah, look at you. That's good stuff. So what was your news, Rob? Ow. Well, that's not big news. Just for just for anyway, you know, some the people out there kind of know I sometimes uh, chomp onto some of this uh, kind of like uh, gossipy kind of bicep uh, news. I guess it's from my days at Muscle Mag, having to compile this crap for the uh, much Muscle Beach news and all that. Do you remember that, Lonnie? Those, yeah, those were those, those were some of the best parts of like Flex and Muscle Mag. Remember? <laughs> all oh those, yeah, the gossip. Yeah. Yeah, Steve Neese and all those guys. Anyway, I I, I just on a bodybuilding site, somebody posted what. Um, is apparently a current pitcher of who once was a Miss Olympia hopeful, um, Denise Rutkowski. Um, for any of you who were around the bodybuilding scene in the kind of the early 90s, mid-90s, she was kind of a big deal, and she was believed to be maybe the uh, you know heir to the Miss Olympia throne. And quite honestly, she kind of... You know, for what they were rewarding at that time, she certainly had the goods. Um, yeah, she did. She, she was kind of a little bit more um, massive version of some of the ones like Anya Langer and some of those um, girls, and certainly Linda Murray and those types. So, but if if this this mugshot that is to be believed, and it's her, I don't know if you'd really even want to call it a her anymore. <laughs> Uh, I just googled it. So yeah, I just found it. It's, she's wearing a green green shirt. Well, you know the the my understanding was, and I, there was lots of things bantered about, you know, back then, um, and I was a little bit more in the know than a lot of people. But certainly, what I did gather was she did have some issues, um, and she uh, had histories and stripping and all this type of thing. And, Certainly, nice. she was involved at one point, at least, heavily in the you know chemical drug side of bodybuilding. Obviously, well, you can um, see, yeah. and she had some problems with the law, and some it, apparently she found religion at some point in a very heavily way, and was there was rumors about her traveling around with a religious caravan and all sorts of bipolarish tendencies, I guess, and that's probably going to offend a lot of people. I don't mean that. The only people who travel around with religion caravans are bipolar people. I don't even know what religion caravans are. <laughs> I, like, I don't know. I'm just kind of. <laughs> anyway, the point being is, <laughs> so I never heard anything particularly bad about her as a person, though. Um, like people never really talk badly about her. Apparently, those who I did know who had spoken to her at various times found her to be quite sweet and friendly. So it doesn't look like the same person. I mean, to say the least, not even the same person. So no. No, it's pretty bad. So, all I can say is, if that is her, um, and what can I say? I hope that uh, she straightens things out, or I don't know what to say to, to this. And like I say, she was, she she was. Uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> what do you say to that? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, okay. Uh, we can move. Yeah, on. Yeah, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Yeah. We got Matt Vincent with us. I'll give you a little rundown. Matt, uh, he threw shot put discus hammer at LSU with two top three finishes in the SEC. Jeez, uh, what else? A power lifter? Yep. He put up some numbers. 675, 425, 665 raw. Um, weightlifting numbers, a 319 snatch, 400 clean and jerk. 
And you've now won, what, three amateur world championships in Highland Games and one professional? I think so. I think that dials in uh, right across the board of my mediocrity. Media? No, I'd say that, you know, that's pretty damn athletic in a lot of things, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I'm not impressed. So. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that, was, you go. That, that was sarcasm, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, you're yeah. definitely Iron Radio approved, for sure. Oh, I'm wow. glad to hear that. How did you get started in, in, in athletics in the first place? Was it, was it high school track and field? Or yeah, what? yeah, I mean, that's a guess. About, you know, about the first time, I guess, things really got you know, taken seriously would have been uh, you know, high school football and then moving into uh, high school track and field. Uh, you know, kind of followed uh, behind my brother. And, I mean, we played sports growing up the whole way. Uh, my brother played football uh, in high school and did a little track, and so uh, you know, I always found interest in the shot put and then um, – was okay at it, so I followed followed with that and made my way to LSU and and threw a bit there. And then from there, what where where'd you go next? I mean, after college, what is that when you got into powerlifting or after college? I took a uh, I guess a hiatus from everything and did very little uh, in the ways of uh, in the gym. I, I was tired. I was a uh, you know I had a rough go with a coach I didn't particularly get along with in college for whatever reason, and then uh, by the time I got out. Really, really didn't get much of a shit for it, and um, uh, I have to say, you know, after I finished that, I opened a bicycle shop, and I got into cycling for a couple years, uh, believe it or not, you know, whether it was BMX stuff or mountain biking or, or road bike or whatever it was. So I did that for a couple years and realized that I wasn't making any money, and neither was my partner, and so we have uh, we went our separate ways, and uh, I went and found a different job and eventually made my way back into the gym and uh, followed my brother again into uh, into strongman. Uh, he, was, he was training that way, and we'd actually found a guy here in Baton Rouge, uh, Mark Cummings, who uh, had some equipment. And so we met up with him one Saturday and did it. And he had a contest coming up, and so we went and competed in it. And so I did strongman for probably two, maybe three years, and that was really my my uh, I guess baptism back into the the strength game. Uh, and then from there, you went to the powerlifting? Yeah, or? after that, uh, after after Strongman, I got into powerlifting. I kind of dabbled in powerlifting a bit while I was doing Strongman, you know, just looking at different training stuff. As much as I was traveling around for work at the time, I was, you know, trying to train different places on the road. And so um, decided to powerlift, so I powerlifted uh, here in Baton Rouge. I found out that uh, one of the guys I did track with was powerlifting, so I met up with him, and he was actually training with a group out at uh, Gary Frank's house. And uh, I trained with him for for two years and did uh, did a handful of uh, APF meets and did some full geared stuff and I you know, learned learned a real different form of training than I guess I had prior with track and field or or the strongman stuff. Kind of finding my own route. And um, from there, there was a Highland game in Jackson, Louisiana. Uh, my brother and I both went and did it. Had a good time, and that's pretty much what I've done since. That's crazy. That's your aside from throwing uh, collegiately and whatnot, because I didn't do shit in high school and college. But uh, <laughs> I, you know, the strongman into powerlifting and then Highland Games is exactly the route I took too. But uh, I just didn't excel in the Highland Games as much as you. But I didn't also concentrate on. Well, I wasn't very good at powerlifting or strongman, so that I guess <laughs> that works out. Yeah. So you know, yeah, exactly. six foot three hundred pounds uh, did not lead me to being real real good at either. Yeah. It's uh well, half six foot in Highland Games isn't uh, 
No, no, I'm uh, I'm definitely one of the uh, the smallest of the pro group, but luckily I found a sport yeah. that uh, will uh, benefit technique far more over uh, yeah. just brute strength. Yeah, exactly. Which is yeah. my way in that way. <laughs> <laughs> and that's probably where you're lucky compared to me. You coming in with that that shot put background and discus and everything had to help a ton. Huh? Yeah, yeah, adding a couple hundred thousand reps under your belt as far as you know, knowing how to generate force on a you know a really really sub maximal weight implement. Uh, yeah, really has played well to uh, to my suits. You know, it, not that it can't be learned by guys who did not throw in college, but it sure is a much easier path. Definitely, definitely. It's uh, whereas me, you know, I made it. Like I said, I I made it to. I did in three months. I made it to A class, but it was all on the ugliest throws possible, just using my strength. Ain't nothing wrong with that. They still made <laughs> it the same. <clears throat> so, um, and then now we got. You want to talk about your book a bit? Sure, sure. Uh, the first book I wrote was uh, at the end of, um, I guess, at the end of my amateur career, and uh, my first professional game was uh, at the uh, ICF uh, Professional Championships in 2011, uh, which I finished second place there. Um, so I kind of documented what my strength plan had been from that point on as a thrower. I realized that, you know, with there, there's plenty of literature out there for guys who want to get into powerlifting, I mean, there's, you know, there's a ton of different programming available, and there really wasn't anything available for someone wanting to throw. And uh, what I tried to cover was kind of the basics of what, what we do as a thrower versus what you do, you know, as a powerlifter, you know, as a power, you know, as a thrower, I don't need as much max lifting. You know, I've, I've got to make the decision, and I've got to swallow the pride a little bit, you know, from being a, a meathead at heart that says, you know, right now my goal is to throw far, not have the biggest squat. Yeah. Yeah. And, and those two things don't necessarily equal the other. That's really where I went with my book, and then I, I kind of detailed and outlined how to how to do a full season, how to how to program and decide that you're going to peak for certain games, you know, with the highly games versus some of the other strength sports. I compete, you know, between 17 and 20 times a year. So that's a, that's a lot of weekends, and you can't be at 100%. For 20 weekends if you want to be your best in October. Right. So, Matt, did you, um, was it like a reduction in volume? How do you peak? Yeah, it, uh, what, I, what I personally do is it's about, uh, you know, depending on how many weeks I, I am from a game, my, uh, my percentages will, will go up, but nothing really gets over about 65 to 75%. You know, I really just want to make sure weights are still moving quickly. And that, that's the biggest thing. And at that time of the year, I really try to not be in the weight room as much as I want to be out on the field throwing. I mean, that's, I mean, the rule of thumb at the end of the year, if you want to throw far, is you know, when in doubt, go throw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, having, having a really good and really fast squat's great and all, as long as you can apply the force. And if your technique's shit, it's not going to work. Well, I mean, and going at, like, you've talked about how in the training lab, uh, ebook which is what that's your second uh yeah training lab was the first one the the second one was throwing lab i did one detailing how to how to do all the highland events but i mean and you, you've said it i think in some other times i've heard i've heard it said that it's not just for thrower stuff you know yeah. just somebody kind of all-around athletic too sure i mean my, my brother would be a you know a really good example of this as well as as, as i am i'm i'm stronger now you know especially in, in season or or early season Whenever my strength is at its peak, you know my strength's not at its peak at the end of the season. I'm throwing the furthest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but 
you know, during the season when I'm when I'm doing my strength cycles, I'm as strong and as explosive as as I've ever been with powerlifting, and I'm about thirty pounds lighter. Yeah. Same with uh, my brother being, you know, much a much bigger guy than me, and who trained strongman for years and uh, yeah. competed as a pro. Which is interesting. I mean, it's interesting comparing the the, the the different sports. I mean, people look at me and talk to me about powerlifting and stuff, which is my main sport, and it's you know I'm. We we look our best. We generally look our best when we're our biggest when we're out of season. And then you get close to a meet, and I'm packing in. Like I said, right now I got a big bag of Burger King. I'm seven weeks out of a meet. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> um, Such I look sacrifice. At, <laughs> I look at the stairs and I belt out to go up them. And but you know the weights moving fast. The heavy weights are moving quick, and uh, you know things like that. And it's just interesting seeing that the play between the two sports. But I think one thing that you're seeing now that uh, is matching between kind of like the coaches that are are doing well out there right now is the insistence on not always using heavy weight. Right. So, um, you know, well, you know, Windler, you know, his program, yep. a lot of program is done with that. I mean, we rarely touch over 80%, you know, and, uh, you know, then your stuff. And you've seen a big resurgence in that. Well, I mean, I think, I really think, you know, the, I guess the, the step away per se from the, from the West Side style where you're going to hit max weights every week. Uh, when I trained with Gary Frank and them, I mean, shit, Gary's program was pretty much 52 weeks of geared singles. And so what what I really looked at that is if you're training in gear, it, it's a different ball game than training for for raw strength, for, yeah. for just general strength. I mean, learning learning the gear and learning how to hold your body and squat in those positions, it's a completely different lift than a raw squat or, or, or a raw as, pitch. As has been said by people who are willing to state that. Because it really is true. Yeah, the I biggest mean, problem I, mean, I, I ever had with it was that they still called it a squat and a bench. The deadlift is still very similar. That's why guys yeah. aren't getting but about you know seventy pounds out of a suit. Yeah, they're not getting a fifty percent increase. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it, it, it's it's got to be a different form of training. I mean, I I did geared. I, I've got a really flexible back, and I had a I've got a pretty good ability of pushing my gut out nice. So I, I was able to have a really nice bench whenever I was doing APF. And I mean, I went from never handling about more than 450 raw or four and a quarter raw to I did 700 in my second or third APF meet in a shirt. Well, if if I can state something here, there's a video that's from not too long ago where they had a. Uh some sort of bench off where they were benching for 315 for reps. Um, okay. They, invi- they invited a bunch of guys on there. And, of course, I, it was being hosted, actually, by Dave Palumbo. Um, anyway, right. and they had a bunch of guys on there. Of course, the, ultimately, the winner was Eric Spotto, who now, of course, yeah. just bro- you know now has the all-time um, raw record at 722. He did 315, I think, 40... Five times, oh, or something like that. But anyway, my point being is they had some, they had a bunch of guys on there who are powerlifters, and and anybody who really knows weightlifting can, it is actually true that you know like three plates, it's uh, reps with three plates is not easy necessarily. People who do it, you know, for three, four, five reps, don't realize that you know when you start hitting eight, nine, ten reps with three plates, it it starts getting very yeah, difficult. yeah, and. I mean, and they had a good, pretty much the gold standard for yeah exactly and there was a guy on there that uh, a very large individual on there who I think maxed out at eleven reps 
which yep. is certainly nothing not impressive. But his he went up and he, you know Dave was like interviewing after they would do their performance, and after he was done doing his eleven reps, he came on and said that his you know his he was like well you know what's your best one rep he's like you know suited eight I don't know he said like eight thirty or something yeah and I'm th- and I'm thinking and again this is not trashing on eleven reps with three fifteen but. You know what I mean? You think of some guy, you know, your natural tendency is to think, well, some guy who benches 800 pounds plus, you know, 315 should be, you know, hop, skip, and bumping off his chest like freaking like a piston, you know? Like, right. It's just so self-maximal. Yeah. And I've seen oh, it very yeah. often. I've, I've seen it very often where you get guys who are, and it's, again, it's, it's one of those things, and I'm not, I'm, again, I'm not trashing on that performance of 11 reps at all or anything. I'm just making the claim, and I think most people would agree with me that, you know, <clears throat> you would just naturally assume some guy who could press 800 pounds would probably be able to do, you know, 500 for at least several. Sure, but, you know, I'm willing to bet a guy like that, especially someone who's trained powerlifting enough to be an 800-pound bencher in a shirt, this guy probably hasn't done more than three reps in a decade. Yeah. You know, so I, not, not, I, I bet not 11 <laughs> reps with 315, I bet he could do 405 for 11 reps. It's just the amount yeah. of time that bar was in his hand was the biggest problem. Well, you know what? Exactly. And also the fact that, I, I mean, you know, the, the bottom part of the bench when you are a shirted presser, it becomes, I mean, the, why they do so many board presses and stuff. I mean, it, it's sure. so much assisted at the, bo- at the bottom that a lot of guys become horrifically strong in the last half of the lift. Mm-hmm. But they they lose, and they actually might gain a lot of strength on the top with suited lifting, but they lose so much on the bottom that it almost becomes... <laughs> You know, it almost becomes sure. um, yeah. negligible that they've gained anything on the top, right? Cause if you I, I wouldn't top, say they lose it. There's no one that's going to do lockouts at 800 pounds that can't handle, you know, five or 600 pounds at the bottom. I mean... No, but, but true, true, but you know what? The fact that they're going to use a lot... But, but, but they will lose what they probably would have kept with higher weights from the chest if they had never done that. Oh sure, yeah. The, the raw lifter is going to be. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I mean, I think, I think, I think, I think, I think we're saying the same thing anyway. But yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. So I mean, anyway. Can I, can yeah, I, I like to say, though, the rep thing can't be put down. I mean, that's just like that squat off between plats and freaking. I was just thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a great example. Yeah, it's like you take me against a crossfitter, and I don't want to do a hundred bodyweight squats. I'd rather die. Right. But <laughs> you know, I'd probably be gassed after forty. And it's just my ass that's going up and down. But, you know, I put 600 pounds on the bar, and I'm going to do a lot better than they did. Yeah. It's so. specificity, once again. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, something that's such a different test for a power yeah. lifter that I think it's, I mean, granted, the guy with the, the world record won, but, I mean, you take someone like Eric Spato, who's a world record holder, they're so far outside of the bell curve that the rules of training don't necessarily apply to them anymore. Yeah. And so you've almost got to see what they do and, and think of it as such a completely different thing. Yeah. Can can I can I like just kind of like veer this just off the course that we're going just for a second because I just didn't want to ask this. What is Gary Frank doing these days? Uh, I haven't trained over there in two years, and uh, the last I was over there. Uh, he was still kind of making amends, you know, at least what I saw with whether he was going to lift or not lift. And uh, my my personal opinion, I was hoping he would retire and 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 become more focused on coaching the kids that he had around. Okay. But other than that, I, I love training with the guy. I mean, he's a 
you know, he's another one of those guys that's just so far out of the norm and so gifted strength and, and, and power. Yeah, and I, and, you know, and I, I've actually met the guy once, and he was actually very pleasant, and um, I don't yeah. know him well, but, but um, he, certainly my, my brief encounter with him was very positive. He seemed like a really nice guy. And certainly yeah, he's, he's just gigantic. <laughs> he's just yeah, like, I mean, he's I mean, like just he's, he's like any of the guys at that level. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I know he was plagued with a lot of injuries and stuff, so... Yeah, I mean, but that's part of, you know, 52 weeks of geared singles and no yeah, recovery right. or mobility work done ever. Right. But certainly, so. certainly, no, certainly nobody can uh, crap on some of the stuff that he's lifted, though, man. No, he's amazingly, amazingly <laughs> I mean, gifted, you know, and yeah. probably, I mean, no one pushed the sport like he did. Well, he's certainly, yeah, he certainly uh, was one of the more contemporary guys that <laughs> nudged things along a little bit. You know, yeah. No, nobody will set those uh, those century marks. You know, the same way the sport you know has reached a point where I think it's going to slow down unless unless we start adding hydraulics. <laughs> right. Wanna, right, forklifts. <laughs> before our break, before our break, you want to talk about your site a bit? And uh, uh, yeah, um, you know, I've got MattVincent.net. That's where uh, I sell both my books. Uh, however, I I have not been updating my site. I'm I've been bored. Uh, I've been uh, I've been lazy with it, and I've been updating my log and different site over at uh, JuggernautTraining.com. Uh, that's really where I keep everything current. They get a lot more uh, a lot more people, and uh, I'm not one of those interested to just read my own shit. So if no one's reading it, I don't see the reason of posting it. So it made more sense to, to get on board with them. Good point. Yeah, makes sense. So are you still doing the the strength lab video series and stuff? Like yeah, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Doing that, I've recently got back into doing those again. Now that I've had some more time and can uh, can get on it, I'm doing kind of short short video answers for Q and A's that I get off of Facebook or wherever people reach me. And uh, it, it's been good. I've been getting the feedback I've gotten is good too. So I'll just uh, I'll keep pounding those out, and I'm sure I'll put out another book uh, this off season, more of a, a general strength template kind of cover, you know, programming a little bit for powerlifting and CrossFit and. A weightlifting and strongman uh, throwing, uh, kind of across the board, you know, for masters competitors and vice versa. Well, let's take a short break and then we'll come back and hit up the top. All right. <clears throat> Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So... Uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, if you simply Google CRC Press and protein, uh, there's a new development. On the right side of the page, you can see ebook 
and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for sixty nine US dollars. So that's thirty one percent off the ninety nine ninety five uh, cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. Sixty nine dollars. I think that's going to drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people. And you can even rent it uh, lower down the page. They have one hundred and eighty day rentals and one year rentals, so you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So thanks. This is Jim, owner of the longest locally owned gym in Winona, the Boardwalk, which I'm proud to say now has the most variety of cardiovascular machines. Our latest addition, four new lifetime ellipticals, easy on the joints, low impact on the knees, while getting a full body workout at our same unbelievable low prices. Get one year less than $17 per month. And want to keep your tan going all summer? Say you heard this ad and get 12 tans for only $29.95. Only at the boardwalk. With an alive sound system, we're not just a gym, we're an experience. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more. That's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Hey, everybody. We're back. It's Phil and Lonnie and Matt. And we are talking about um, the topic of the day, which is travel, performing uh, on the road. I don't know if you guys want to get into, like, um, single events or, uh, God forbid, once things are, like, back-to-back, you know, I... I've been in some situations where two or three weekends in a row and in different states. And, I mean, that takes a toll, right? I mean, yeah. No, and that's like, I, I think it's a great topic because I know Matt does a lot of it. And, like, just my next month looking at it, I've got, you know, I have to drive up to Omaha this weekend because my federation's throwing a meet. And then the next week i got to go down and pick up Sarah Robles, who's the Olympian. She's coming here for three days, so i got to put them up. And then the week after that I go to Austin for six days to do seminars and you know so and all this while i'm six weeks out from a powerlifting meet where i have to go in and put up the best numbers i've ever done in my life yep <clears throat> so yeah it's uh you know interesting stuff so matt let's hit it off let's see how how do you handle a lot of that uh i guess for those who don't know uh, i i my job is i'm an outside sales rep and i work in the petrochemical industry uh anything more detailed than that gets really boring so <laughs> I, I, I've traveled, I guess, for about the last five years. I've done it uh, five or six now, and you know, I average anywhere between being gone for about 15 days a month, 15, 15 or so days a month, and sometimes about 7,500 miles a month in my truck. I, I've worn myself into where being in the truck doesn't bother me at all, plus my vehicle is very comfortable. So take, you can take that off of my equation. Sitting down for that long does not affect me anymore whatsoever. It was uh, it was tricky at first, and it was really nice because I really wasn't. I was competing in strongman when I guess I, I I got into this industry and started competing again, and I wanted to learn how to lift and how to train by people that knew how. I mean, there was there was a lot of talk at the time, I believe, with Marinde Muscle and and your typical forums and 
things like that. And I just got tired of reading shit, and I wanted to, you know, talk to people in person. And since I was traveling for work, I, I had the opportunity to do it. And so I, I'd met a lot of people that I wanted to train with and learned a lot from them. It's amazing what you can get by with an email. You know, amazing who will want to train with you with an email and then go in like you don't know what the fuck you're doing. You know, yeah. just just take whatever they're willing to give you and and train. Yeah. You know, don't have an ego about it. And it's it worked out really well for me. I got to train with everyone across the country that I really looked up to. Agreed. No, I think a lot of people don't realize that. And you got to... But you have to do it like you said. You can't come in with a chip on your shoulder and tell them how you're the greatest thing in the world. No. You, they you come train. It's just, you know. Because they don't care. You, no. <laughs> Usually you shoot them a line and say, hey, I, you know, I, can I stop in and train? And right. 90% of the time I've gotten a yes. Absolutely. You know, like, I've been lucky and, you know, driving across the country from freaking coast to coast, being able to stop in and meet some great people and, and learn a ton. But Right. You know, it. Part, part of with all that, you know, I really, I think what, what formed a lot of my training ideas and stuff like that was I've always been far more interested in the why than the what, and I never really cared about what anyone was doing rep scheme-wise or what they were doing uh, percentage-wise. I wanted to know why they thought what they were doing was important, and if, if it made sense and it was logical, then I was really happy to see if it worked. And so, I, you know, I trained a bunch of different ways and applied what worked for me. Uh, if there were guys that say, well, that's well, that's just what you do, well, then I pretty much <laughs> took it as they were full of shit, and I didn't particularly yeah. care what their opinion was anymore. Yeah. Actually, that sort of segues to what I was going to ask you. Was So you've seen a lot of different, like, cultures in the different gyms. Like, you're far from home, and they just do things very, very differently, or do you see oh, a lot yeah. of similarity? You know... Uh, I got lucky enough that I guess I trained with a lot of top end guys, and uh, the the similarities were the one. You know, everyone did things differently. Everybody either bench squatted or deadlifted on different days, and everyone event trained on different days and did different things for their event training. Some were really heavy, and some were really light. The only thing that was really consistent across the top group of guys is that they did it every week the same way, and they worked their asses off. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, that's what that's the biggest lesson I got. Like, I don't I don't care what you're doing. If you want to do, you know, your buddy's arm workout, that's really really hard, and do it for 16 weeks, really really hard. It's gonna work. Is it gonna continue to work for 10 years? Probably not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's an old so. quote that says, "Stop all your bargaining and get with the program." And I exactly. think that's, that's kind of what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, Flake, I mean, flaky people they pick up on the the new uh, whatever's appearing on Friday on their favorite website, and they change their routine almost monthly. You know. Oh yeah, God forbid you did something for a year. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and yeah, that's. I mean, a lot of people don't get that. It's just one of the biggest things to getting strong is just consistency. Right. I, I mean, that's, that's one of the. Uh, there was a CrossFit gym here in town that I trained at for, I guess, uh, the last year while uh, we were building a new house and kind of moving. And it, w it was nice being around people again since the last four years or so, other than when being on the road, I trained by myself in a garage. Um, and I'm back to doing that again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> training at the CrossFit gym was nice. Those, those, you know, everything that I felt about CrossFit was, was wrong. Uh, you know, by the time I got out the gym that I was at, there really wasn't a bunch of ego, and those kids wanted to learn. And so I was really happy to try to preach philosophy. Granted, I'm not a CrossFitter, I'm not a CrossFit competitor, and nor do I ever pretend to be. 
So I, I don't know what exactly they're doing uh, programming-wise. You know, I'm not going to pretend to program for a sport that I've never competed in. I, I don't have any first-hand knowledge. Now, there's some things that just don't make sense, and, you know, that's fine. But the thing I would tell those guys, you know, you'd have a 20-year-old kid say, you know, what, you know, what do I need to do to get bigger and stronger? You know, well, you know what, what program or what this and that? And, and the answer is always the same thing. It's work really hard. I, I mean, it, it's really hard work, underweight, for the next 10 years. Yeah. It's a decade. And over and over again. And that's one of the big things, you know, since we're on the CrossFit thing, the biggest thing, because my job for a while was going CrossFit to CrossFit across the country. And the biggest thing I always heard was I need to get stronger. And yeah. it's always the big basic lifts, you know, squat, bench, deadlift, cleaner, jerk, snatch. It's like, okay, what are you doing for that? Well, you know, every month or so we max our squat. Right. God. Well, we need to try and squat at least once a week. Right, right. And, you know, I, I did try to help implement some of the, that basic programming idea where the guys at the gym I were at were really good. They've got a good Olympic coach there, Matt Bruce, who – uh like a seven-time world team guy, so he he's good with that, and he helps. And I kind of gave some of the powerlifting knowledge that I had as far as programming, and you know, what the other the other thing that really always spoke true. I don't remember who the quote originally came from, but uh, a Jim informed me of it. I think last time we were together was, you know, if you want to get stronger, at some point you got to put more fucking weight on the bar. Mm-hmm. And that that holds true, and so you, you can't. No one's getting stronger doing singles. I don't know why anyone thinks that that's the way to do it. Singles are a test. You get stronger from doing, you know, a couple, you know, a handful of sets of three or five at weight that you're going to grind out on your last set. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, that, yeah it's oh, not a true. crazy I mean, all, idea. I mean, as a power lifter, if we got strong off singles, we'd just go do a meet every weekend. It's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So if we can all agree, you know, consistency is the biggest part of the game to get back on track here. How do you handle consistency being on the road half the month? <laughs> uh, being on the road half the month, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a three-day-a-week type of guy as far as lifting goes. Uh, luckily with the Highland Games, uh, I, my toolbox and my truck can hold all of the implements that I, that I particularly need for throwing. So I can throw anywhere there's grass. And I've, I've thrown out of the back of hotel parking lots, and I've thrown, you know, in fields with other guys who compete and throw. And so I'm, I always carry my stuff, and I'm ready to train as if I'm at home. I mean, as long as you've got a barbell and weights, you can get the job done. Yeah. You know, at, at some point, people, after training for so long, get really accustomed to nice stuff. And, look, I'm just as bad. I'm a, my powerlifting days have made me a gear whore through and through. And... I, I love having nice equipment, but but at, at some point, some days that, that doesn't exist. And so yeah. you, you find a hole in the wall gym or you find your 24-hour fitness, and you get the job done for that day. It's not going to be perfect, but it's better than not doing it. And so that was the, the decisions I made as far as diet type stuff. That's that's the hardest part. I'm, I'm by no means uh, lean or fit, and so... Diet for me has never really been a strong suit. Um, I'm trying to get better at it. <laughs> uh, but it was always kind of a simple simple idea of, you know, does this make me a piece of shit? If the answer is yes, don't eat that. So, you know, even though I'm on the road and, you know, and, and I'm expensing all my meals, like I'm not going out to eat giant plates of delicious lasagna every night. 
you know, it, yeah. you know, go eat a steak and vegetables. You know, I lived off of Outback and Subway pretty much yeah. being on the road because I can get a consistent meal at, at both places. And I don't have time to stop and eat lunch everywhere, and I'm sure as hell not the guy who's going to fix a bunch of meals to leave for a week. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you have a problem getting enough calories, period, or not really? No. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I know that there's guys out there that, that have the issue of uh, – you know, if they don't stick to their diet plan or if they were sick for a couple of days and didn't eat, they lose some 15 pounds. My body is completely the other way. <laughs> if, if I don't pay attention to what I'm eating or drinking for about a week, I'll balloon up probably 15 or 20 pounds. So it's a real struggle for me to not turn into a turd. Okay, so your hunger just handles it, even on the road, right? You're just like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm powering down something here. Right. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. See, I'm the opposite. I'm, I'm on the opposite of the spectrum. I got to... I've been fighting for like four years to get up to 280. God, that'd be beautiful. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's ugly around here. Uh, it's I, on whatever I can. I can't uh, even imagine how great that must feel to just be like, ah, oh, I really need to get those cheeseburgers in me tonight. See, that's what everybody says, but once you're there, if you're if you put the shoe on the other foot, it's like I don't want to fucking look at food. Yeah, it could be a chore. <laughs> I can see that. I, I, you you know, Phil, I've tried to power <laughs> well, myself up, and I'm, I'm not big like you guys, but it's hard if your body doesn't want to gain weight. It's oh it's yeah, a chore a chore, especially on yeah. the road. I can imagine, right? Because I know what you're but, saying, Matt. You, you want to keep I it clean. Yeah, I mean, you want to keep it as clean as possible. You know, um, you know, I, I kind of try to live by simple rules for everything, and you know, keeping it clean. I mean, I like to drink. You know, I like delicious food, and one of the things I like most about traveling is eating delicious food in different places. So I'm not going to skip that out. Uh, I'm not trying to have the best abs on stage. That's not what I'm competing for. But that's a good and, tip. You know, steak and vegetables, that's delicious. You could go to a nice yeah. restaurant, you know. It's exactly oh. right. Yeah, it's exactly right. And You're lucky enough to be in a sport that just it's surrounded by good food and beer and scotch. That is true. I had <laughs> last <laughs> world championships. I drank two beers before the last event. Yeah. You know. That's, uh, they usually have that huge like trough of beer for the competitors. Oh, fantastic! Oh, that's yeah. beautiful. Completely <laughs> <laughs> encouraged. Yeah. So, um, so, so you're a three day a week guy. Then do you just shoot off the cuff? You just know, I, okay, I got to get these three days in. Yeah. Fit them where I, I, I fit them wherever I can. You know, if that means you know, if I'm on the road for let, let's just say worst case scenario, uh, Monday to Friday, I'm on the road. I know that I need to fit in one, maybe two days, and then I've got a weekend at home where I can get in a lift. I also don't train for more than about an hour. Yeah. So I mean, even if I'm in the you know the gym at the hotel, I mean this yeah. wouldn't be ideal for you know for for uh, for three weeks in a row of a strength cycle. Yeah. But for for one for one one training session, yeah, I can get it done. And, and I think it's not going to be that big of a complaint about it. People start stressing over the minutia. They stress, like you said, about not having the best equipment. Or, holy crap, i got to do my deadlift day on Friday night instead of Sunday morning. And it's like, come on, it's not the end of the world. Get the damn thing in, work hard, and get it over. Exactly. Like me, exactly. I'm a junkie my week. You know, normally it's my perfect for me. I love deadlifting at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning. Well, i got to do it tomorrow night because i got to drive at 5 in the morning up to throw meat. You know, it's not going to kill me. I'm going to get my work in. Right. <laughs> Even if it's not one for the record books, you know. Right, right. It doesn't have to be. It's about getting the work done. 
Yeah. Yeah. Not every gym and not every situation, not every training session and not everything's going to be going to be great. Shit, I've got a great gym set up and a in a wonderful brand new rack from Sorenex in my garage. And there's days I don't want to lift. Yeah. But you go in and you get the job done. Yeah. You know, move on and wait for the days that you really feel it and on those days you push. Yeah. Phil, who was it that we're talking about the 80-10-10 rule? You know, 80% of your workouts are going to be sort of well, good. Two people. You know, 10% will, 10% will suck, 10% are going to be record books, you know. Dan John says that a lot, yeah. and then uh, Paul Carter, too. Was yeah, I think there. it was Paul that was saying that. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. But, yeah. You know, most of, them, most of them are about the grind, you know. And yeah. that's, that's where the difference gets made, is that you're just willing to put in the work longer than someone else is. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, you guys are both. You guys are super strong. So, uh, a workout room in a hotel is not going to cut it, right? I mean, do you seek gyms? Do you plan to visit places in advance? Is that what you were saying? I, I have in the past. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I pretty much was able to set up shop in a handful of different places, and I got to train. Uh, you know, some really really nice facilities. Uh, but with that said, I've also been in places where I didn't have access, and so. I mean, even at, you know, like I said, a 24-hour fitness or, or planet fitness, which is pretty much your worst-case scenario. Right, exactly, right. Um, you, know, you, you put on your headphones and just try to disappear into that place. And, you know, you can pack all of your stretch bands really small. Yeah. And, you know, you, you've got two big, strong, you know, of the heavy stretch bands on a bar. And, you know, if, if you've got 135 or, or hell, just a bar, mm-hmm. you can get the work done. You can get sore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I mean, you can do that in the, you know, in, in the hotel, in the hotel gym. Yeah. Now, that's not going to fit with your programming, though, right? I mean, a mesocycle no, or something, right? Something. Yeah. No, just, no, just no. something. Yeah. Those, those are some days you just got to com- you got to get it done. You got to compromise. I mean, I, I wrote my program for a best case scenario. Yeah. You know, and hopefully I can hit ninety percent of those, and I'll be pretty good. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it's one of those life happens things moments. You know? That's exactly right. And and everyone deals with it. Everyone's going to deal with that shit. Most of my competitors, the guy that I'm battling back and forth with the most, he's got he's got five kids under six years old. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> He's dealing with a whole different set of problems than me. Yeah. yeah. He needs exactly. to win two trophies every time he does something, you know. Yeah. yeah. Just for family management. <laughs> right. I mean, my worst days are because I had to drive, you know, three or four hours one way to go have lunch with a couple guys and then drive home. It's a real tough day. You know, I'm not taking yeah, a complaint over, over, you know, what some other guys have to do for, for real jobs. And that's the, the truth is everybody from the outside looks at people like you or people like me and, you know, people like Windler and blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah. all the professional athletes, they get they have all the time in the world to train and this and that. Like, well, no. No. You know? I run I run three businesses yep. and a charity. You know, it's, you know, it's insane around here. Right. You know, 90% of my time, most of my time in the gym is, is clients. And it's then figuring out when I'm going to fit mine in, be it 5 in the morning or 9 at night. Right. Oh, shit, man. Being around the gym that much too, the last thing you want to do a lot of days is actually touch weight yourself. Yeah. So, yeah, I can see that. Exactly. It's just not. There's only a point zero 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 one percent of the population 
that's that's making a living off strength. Yeah, especially not fringe of fringe strength force. There's like one strong man in America who's making yeah. a living, and the rest of us have pretty neat hobbies. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And the same thing with Highland Games and you know powerlifting and this and that. It's just not happening. You know, it's the, even the top guys. They're just making that commitment and making the sacrifice to get in and punch those sessions. Yeah, none of, none of us are, are, are making any money off of competing, any any real money that's going to, you know, that I'm going to quit my job, per se. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there's good and bad for that when it comes to the sport as a whole. Yeah. You know, you get a bunch of guys who really love what they're doing, I suppose, you know, and holding oh. on the job and everything else is tough, but, you know, there's some yeah, purity to it, I guess. No, don't don't get me wrong in what what I'm saying. I mean, with with Highland Games compared to the other sports, you know, now that I've done done all three, I feel like I have found some really weird loophole in athletics, where a guy <laughs> who really wasn't very talented as a thrower, me, yeah, I, I'm getting to travel around the world and, and and fulfill this desire that I have for travel and and experience by doing something else that I really like, which is throwing, which I'm not really good at. People that are really good at throwing do this new thing called the Olympics. And <laughs> right. I'm not doing that. Yeah. You know, and, and, and shit, we, we get treated better and often make make better money than the guys that do it at that level. Yeah. yeah. And so, I, I'm very, I feel very, very, very lucky that, that I've found this and, I, and I've been able to excel at it. Well, that's the neat thing. I've talked to people about this with Highland Games before. They, they did it right by they latched it onto those big festivals. Yep. So you've already got, and that's what I loved about Island Games, coming from a powerlifting and strongman background. You go to a strongman meet or powerlifting meet, and there's like 48 friends and family watching. Right, that's exhausting. You go to uh, throw in the games in Phoenix or up in Pleasanton, oh, and you've yeah. got 40,000 people yep. up there. You know? <laughs> like, the, the game that we did in Victoria, Canada, probably had probably had 100,000-plus come through the gate. And, oh, I mean, it was Lord. It was, it was outrageous, you know. Plus, you know, all of us are on the field. We've all got names on the back of our uh, the shirts they gave us, and the the beer tent was probably a you know, hundred feet long, right next to the side of the rail. So people are drunk and yelling at us, and it was great. Yeah, it's like tailgating almost. Yeah. I see oh it. yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's uh, I, I like throwing. I'm not a uh, I'm not a fucking tough guy by any stretch of the imagination, and I can't sit there and be wound up and listen to terrible music in a, in a hot parking lot and pretend that it's it's something really serious, like it's you know the World <laughs> Championships of, of or the you know the Super Bowl. I just yeah. I can't do it. You know, I, I already competed in a sport that paid for college that no one cared about, mm-hmm. and so just strong have fun, man have fun wasn't. With it. good. It's exactly right. It's a hobby. Have fun. If you're not having fun doing this, then I don't I don't understand. And that was yeah. that was the big the big thing I didn't understand for the amateur sides of the powerlifting, and and the strongman stuff was, you know, guys that would get so worked up and couldn't compete that they I mean they enjoyed training which which I got I mean that was that was that was a you know that was boys night that was going to the bar instead of that we went and hung out in the gym for five hours and did, you know, ten shirted singles, so, you know. And that w- that's what made up for that. But when we got to the meet, nobody, no, and no one looked like they had a good time. And I just never could grasp that. That why the hell are you doing this? No, and that definitely no, I agree. And you don't see that enough in in power sports, but you do see it in the Highland Games. That was one of the things I grasped was 
the community, and yeah. you get up there with all the people in the, hell, the C class, the B class, the A class, the pros. Exactly. Out there laughing and poking fun at each other and just having a good time. See, you guys you know, make me want to attend one of these. I have never been to a Highland Games event. Ah, uh, they're a great time. You know, uh, yeah, you, you get some real humbling moments, too, in the Highland Games. You know, uh, I, I laughed last weekend. Uh, last weekend I was in Dana Point, California, the weekend before. So let me figure my schedule out. The weekend before I was in Scotland. And uh, one of the judges we had on the field for that, we did a the World uh, Highlander championship so it's kind of half strong man half highland games and uh yeah. was a was a lot of fun so they probably got the top scottish judge you know at least that i'm aware of uh, this guy alan Pettigrew, and you know very well known uh, around the world as far as being a top judge in the highland games and so we did the first event one of the stones and i did not throw particularly well uh for for whatever reason and uh was was frustrated afterwards and um you know, he came up and gave me a pat on the back and pretty much said something along the lines of, you know, everyone's going to have a rough go the first games. You know, the more that you do these, the better you're going to get. And I'm like, you know, the the top judge in the world has no idea who I am. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, that's perfect. So relax and throw, man. You know, do your job. Yeah. yeah. Hey, one last thing. I know we're almost out of time, but so you just talked about coming back from Scotland and this and that. Yep. How do you deal with jet lag, or is it not much of a problem for you? Uh, Time zone change, you know. Uh, it would be tough. I personally uh, medicated myself pretty heavily for the flights, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so that that helped a lot. But it's really, you know, it's only a seven-hour difference to Scotland. It's not something crazy like going to Russia or Australia. You know, I, I left Philadelphia at 7 p.m., and I got to Scotland at 7 a.m., so I don't remember taking off on the flight yeah. and so I woke up in Scotland and took a nap that afternoon and then was back on my regular schedule and yeah. when I got home I think I flew from left Scotland at about 10 30 a.m. and got to Philadelphia at one and then flew back home and got home about four o'clock and then I went to sleep at regular time once I got back to Baton Rouge and really my schedule never really fell apart does it get old I mean ah. do, you, do you ever start to is it kind of fun Still, or is it just? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the big question I get asked. Is you know, how long will I do this? And my, my attention span for this sport has lasted about two years longer than it did for any of the others. Um, and I, I quit doing those because I wasn't having fun. Yeah. You know, I mean, clearly there's people that are still having fun and good on them, but I sure as hell wasn't. Um, and the Highland Games, I'm still having a good time. Hell, last weekend in California, you know, and it's. Competing for me is a lot of fun, and then it's the rest of it. It's, it's you know, there's a a famous strongman, I guess, uh, yeah, Sebastian Winter finished second at World's Strongest Man in 2002, I believe, to Marius Pujanowski. Yeah. And, uh, or maybe 2008. I don't know. One of those years. And Sebastian's a giant Polish guy. I mean, he's 6'9", and, you know, 330 pounds, and he competes with us uh, at the at the top end. And... We got together and went and did. We got shit faced and went and did karaoke. <laughs> and to watch him sing a Polish song in front of a bunch of people was hilarious. You know, getting to do that and getting to go swim with a bunch of those guys out out in the Pacific or almost die in a golf cart, or you know, it's it's that type of shit. It's that life experience for me that really makes makes this fun. That that I'm getting to do that. But yeah, yeah, it definitely gets old. You know, we we just uh, moved into a new house. Um, at the end of July, beginning of August, and I don't feel like I've really been home. 
You know, uh, right, you know, exactly. being on the road for work and then then leaving every weekend for games. Uh, my wife is far more understanding of this than I would be if the shoe was on the other foot. So, but it does pay enough that it gets to do things like, you know, bring her with me to Iceland last year, and you know she's going out to to LA with me in a couple weeks for uh, for a get together with the Juggernaut guys. And, uh, so she likes traveling as well, and this, you know, this has pretty much allowed us to both get to do it. You know, once a year to you know a pretty good or a couple times a year on major trips on someone else's buck. Sounds almost yeah. exactly like the way I've been with universities, like traveling to do research and stuff. Like, you know, in two weeks we're going to Spain. You know, my wife's coming yeah. along and to go present some data. I don't, I'm not saying it's an excuse. Just like you, you're there for the big event, but you're going to live while you're there too. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to pretend that you're there for the big event. You want to go to Spain, and at some <laughs> point you'll go do this data thing. <laughs> I, look, I completely get it. You know? yeah, I just wondered if the travel was still fun for you, too. It sounds like it is. No, air travel and travel, like getting places, sucks. I uh, I don't particularly like people, and I get anxiety around lots of them. So that part I really hate. <laughs> but that I've always preferred traveling in my truck by myself. But, yeah, that, that part of it, airports and where I'm at in a new hotel room and not sleeping well and my, you know, that all that all sucks. But, you know, that's a sacrifice I make for getting to travel around the world and have someone pay me to throw stuff. Right. Uh, you know, like I said, first world problems. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, I think we'll call it there. We're right at an hour. So. All right, right on. It was a good time. Thanks for joining us. Awesome, awesome. I'm going to take my wife to eat before I leave for uh, California again tomorrow. <laughs> you go. You're going to Pleasanton? Going out to Pleasanton. Are you, uh, you making it out for that one? No, we just moved from up there. I lived up there uh, until two years ago. So. Pretty excited. Uh, I think uh, Jesse Burdick and Mark Bell are going to supposed to come out and come hang out. So be good, good to yeah, see you guys. Train, I used to train in uh, Jesse's gym up there. Oh, right yeah. on, right on. Jesse's a good dude. Yeah, he is. Real good dude. So that'll work. We'll have fun and good luck. Hey, fun you game. guys, man. I enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. Yep. Bye. Catch you later. Bye. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Hey, IronRadio.org listeners, this is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes, Everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types, practical applications, and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the state-of-the-art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best. 
this is the ultimate source in one place. Little disclosure here. I do make a single digit percentage of royalties on this book. It's such a low amount, however. Obviously, I haven't done it for that purpose. I did it because, like you, I want to have something I can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any, on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.